Listening to the flip side with Noah Filipiak, connecting the reality of the gospel to the grit of life. You can support the podcast at patreon.com slash Noah Filipiak or at noahfilipiak.com slash give. What is up, Flip Eponymi? Welcome to episode 43 of the Flip Side podcast. I can almost say Flip Eponymi with a straight face now. Every time I say it, I still, I still question, uh, should I be saying this? Is, is, that, is that the Holy Spirit talking to me? I got I to gotta ask Jason Rodowdy about that. I need to catch up with him on that. Well, welcome to episode 43. I hope you've enjoyed the last three, this episode and the two episodes before. It really has been new and different for the flip side. You know, normally, so last year, it put out 17 episodes for the year. So that's about one and a half episodes per month. And in the last uh, two weeks of January, uh, there was three episodes, if you count Friday to Friday to Friday. So of recording and they were spaced out a little bit so over three weeks you got three episodes in a row and what's been cool is there's been a theme uh about sex and about sexuality specifically and and about uh lgbtq plus and about broken sexuality and so i've, I've just hope these three episodes have encouraged you i hope that they've stretched you i hope that they've pushed you uh, to be more compassionate and more biblical as well so uh two episodes ago episode 41 i had a great conversation with wesley hill who is a gay christian i should say gay a celibate gay christian that's the kind of the phrase that he uses for himself and we talked about people that are celibate gay christians or same-sex attracted and what that life is like as a Christian trying to follow God's design uh, for sex between a man and a woman in marriage, but being gay or same-sex attracted. And uh, Wesley is, he is at the very top of the list of really, really sharp people uh, when it comes to that very, very uh, complex subject. And so I hope that that episode was an encouragement to you. Uh, last episode, episode 42, I interviewed Preston Sprinkle and Preston has written and spoken widely about uh, homosexuality as well. His book, People to be Loved, is fantastic. But he has a brand new book coming out February 1st. Uh, so whenever you're listening to this, quite recently, uh, it's called Embodied, and it's about transgender identities and the church and the Bible and gender dysphoria and really a uh, new frontier, I think, for, for so many, both outside of the church and within the church. And so we had a great conversation that honed in on the T of LGBT, the transgender and so encourage you to listen to that and to be stretched by it and interact with Preston on it and interact with me on it. You can always email the show podcast at beyondthebattle.net. 
Uh, if you want to ask a question for me to read on the air, go for it. Or just a private question we can talk through. That's fantastic. I invited uh, in both of those last two episodes, if you're gay or same-sex attracted or if you're trans or trans-ish, uh, as, as one person uh, called themselves that wrote in, uh, thank you. Thank you for honoring me with your story and thank you for for seeing me as someone you can you can trust and talk to and uh, I don't have all the answers, and there's plenty of things we'll probably disagree on, but I want you to know I love you, and I'm with you, and I, and I want to walk with you, uh, if there's, particularly if there's no one else uh, in your life that, that you're, that's able to walk with you right now uh, through this. And so, so today, this, this theme, it continues on. I'm interviewing Lori Krieg today, and Lori and her husband, Matt, they co-wrote the book, Impossible Marriage, which is also brand new. Uh, just came out a couple of months ago, and it's about a mixed orientation marriage. And so within that marriage, uh, Lori is attracted to women and so has a has a homosexual orientation and Matt has a heterosexual orientation. And you might ask, how in the world did they get married? And and I, I, some of that may come out in the interview today, but I really encourage you to pick up a copy of Impossible Marriage. It is one of the most unique books I've ever read in, in a very good way. It's one of the most transparent, vulnerable books I've ever read in a very good way. And honestly, there's a ton of overlap between my book, Beyond the Battle, and Matt and Lori's book, Impossible Marriage. Not necessarily in, in the mixed orientation side of things, obviously, uh, as my book is written to men uh, exclusively, but one thing I love about Impossible Marriage is that it's so much bigger than a book about mixed orientation marriages. I think if you are in a mixed orientation marriage, and I know a couple people who are, I think this book will be a huge relief to you to know that you're not alone and, and to have a resource to help kind of guide you and, and help you. But but I, I really, really think this is a fantastic resource for anyone who's married and anyone who's single because it has a lot to do with desire. We have this desire to be desired. And if we're married, we want our spouse to desire us. And if we're single, we're either looking to promiscuous sex or we're longing towards a sort of future fantasy uh, spouse of someone that will desire us. And what we find is no human being actually can desire us in a way that fully satisfies us. And, and for me in my pornography addiction and in my significant temptation towards wanting to leave my marriage and live a promiscuous life and, and wanting a divorce and being close to that uh, at one point, identifying that I wanted to be desired, identifying that I was looking for validation, approval, acceptance, and then figuring out how to find that in Jesus in a very, very deep way. So Lori and I talk about that in, our, in, our, in the interview, and I, I really, really recommend whether you're a, a man or a woman to pick up Impossible Marriage, uh, pick up a copy if you're a counselor and needing a resource to help people in their marriages or a pastor who does counseling uh, through marriages. Uh, I'm so thankful that it's, it's been written and that it's out there. And I hope that today's conversation 
continues to stretch you. And I'll also say this, uh, there's, a, there's a large percentage of our population that has been sexually abused. And that's also part of Matt and Lori's story. And so another great resource of learning to understand healing from trauma and how that plays into, into, uh, into a marriage and into sex within a marriage. It is, this is just a really, really, really good uh, transparent book. And Matt throughout the book shares his own pornography addiction uh, and ways he found healing from that. And so uh, if you're a Beyond the Battle reader or you know listener of the podcast and you want another great resource to help you in your journey, uh, I, I strongly believe Matt's story and Matt and Lori's story together uh, is going to help you out as well. So super pumped, super pumped to get uh, to that interview. Uh, first and foremost, want to say a shout out and thanks to Angry Brew, our podcast sponsor, drinking some Angry Brew today. Angry Brew is a dark roast, which I am a big fan of. It has twice the caffeine as most coffees. It is coffee with a punch. And I'm super thankful that they're sponsoring the flip side. They're a Christian-owned company out of the great state of Michigan, where I am as well. And if you go to angrybrew.com or fivelakes.com and pick up a bag of Angry Brew or a bag of Chris's Blend, which is a medium roast, and normal caffeine level, you can pick up a bag of each of those. Use promo code FLIP, F-L-I-P, uh, you'll get 10% off your order, which is sweet for you. And that really, really does help uh, the podcast. It helps keep the podcast sustainable, and it's a huge encouragement. So thank you for those of you that have been supporting uh, the podcast in that way. And I also want to throw a quick shout-out to our Patreon. If you want to support these types of interviews, if you want to support the message of this podcast, uh, consider Patreon, patreon.com slash Noah Filipiak. It's a way you can give us a very small amount per month to support uh, this podcast, and you will get some sweet Flipside swag and or free coffee uh, sent your way as a thank you. So uh, very good. Before we jump into the interview, uh, there was just really one other thing, kind of two things on my heart that I wanted to share. One is that I have been writing a devotional, a daily devotional through the book of Psalms. I'm through Psalm 19 as of this recording. Uh, you can check those out, noahphilippiac.com. Click on blog and you'll find daily devotionals and uh, check those out. And I'm writing those uh, for my own, my own God. Talk to me, December 30th, and in my own devotional time, I had read a psalm, and God said, I want you to write these devotionals, one a day, and until you're done with the psalms. And I'm not able to keep up with one per day, but, but doing as close as I can, and I'm through uh, 20 days, or 19 days, I should say, and I'm telling you, the psalms have been the perfect medicine for pandemic. The Psalms have been a perfect medicine for capital insurrection. The Psalms have been a perfect medicine for the systemic racism that's that's inf infiltrated it has infiltrated uh, the pores of our country. The Psalms have been a perfect medicine when it feels like uh, there's way more non-Christians than Christians out there. It's been the perfect medicine for prayers that aren't being answered. And so I'd encourage you to check out those devotionals and to take a slow crawl through the Psalms. Uh, man, it has been, it has been really, really good. And 
Uh, last, but definitely not least, I've mentioned this once before on the podcast, but uh, a friend of mine died by suicide this last December, and it really, really brought to the forefront of my mind the need to talk about suicide and depression more. And I've struggled with depression for a long time. Um, this this individual, he he just was not at all someone you'd put on the top 100 of your friends or acquaintances that you think might die by suicide. I had no idea about his depression or his suicidal ideation. And um, wow, you know, uh, it just, it's, it's really, really, it's really, really floored me. And it's really, it's, it's going to change the way I do ministry for the rest of my life. And so I just want to say, if you're struggling, there's a, there's a lot of struggle going on right now because of the pandemic and because of all the economic changes and just the, just your life changes and social changes and schedule changes. And just to reach out, reach out to a friend, to a counselor. Again, if you don't have anyone to reach out to, reach out to me. Uh, I'd like to walk with you for uh, a season and and help connect you with someone long-term that you can walk with. But just know you're loved. Know that you're not alone. Know that your life is very worth it. And man, you you have so many people that love you and so many people that would miss you uh, if you were gone. And and just know that. Just know that that, man, that is so true. So I just want to throw that out on this uh this end of January, beginning of February uh, podcast, middle of winter here in Michigan. And that's just something I want to talk about more and more just throughout really the, the, the rest of my of my my ministry life even. So so thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here on the flip side. I hope it's a place of healing. I hope it's a place of hope. I hope it's a place where you experience the gospel, where you experience the gospel at a deeper level and God's love for you. That brings freedom uh, and salvation and hope to you and to your to your life. So, uh, without further ado, uh, let's uh, let's get into our our podcast conversation with Lori. Lori Krieg is a writer, speaker, and ministry leader whose mission is to teach the church how to approach sexuality with the gospel. She also serves on the board of directors of the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender. Together, Lori and her husband, Matt, host the Hole in My Heart podcast. They live with their three children in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And definitely check out Lori's podcast, Hole in My Heart. It is fantastic. She has incredible guests on there, and they talk about this stuff. They talk about uh, bringing the gospel to sexuality and tons of healing, tons of amazing deep conversations happening. That's Hole in My Heart podcast. So with that, uh, let's bring Lori in here to the flip side. All right. Well, Lori, thanks so much for joining us today on the flip side podcast. So glad to be with you today. All right. So I just finished your book uh, this morning and I got to tell you, it was amazing. And thank you for writing it. And I also, uh, I was surprised. I was surprised by several things. Um, One of the things that surprised me was how vulnerable of a book this is. This is probably, I don't know, I don't I don't know if I'm exaggerating, it's probably the most or one of the most vulnerable, transparent books that I've ever read about uh, an author or authors, in your case, with Matt. And so my question is, how did you get to be so vulnerable? Because often in the book, you share stages where you were not vulnerable at all. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so, 
When we were praying about writing this book, you know, um, InterVarsity approached us and asked us to write a book on mixed orientation marriage, which we can dive into that later. And, you know, there's different ways to approach like a topic. You can you talk about different couples, different case studies. You can do like, here's what it is and how people live it out. And here's how you can care. And this is on its face value, mixed orientation marriage, which means uh, where you have a marriage and a heterosexual couples, a man and woman, uh, where one person, at least one of the spouses default attraction is not toward the gender of their spouse. Their default sexual attraction is not toward the gender of their spouse. So that would be me. That is extraordinarily controversial within a greater controversial conversation Mm -hmm. called the LGBT conversation. So the reason talking about mixed orientation marriage within the greater conversation is so controversial because for decades, People who are attracted to the same sex, the solution was, we'll just get them into a heterosexual marriage. Mm-hmm. Just fix that. <laughs> then yeah. we can check them off yeah. our list. So there literally is not a book on mixed orientation marriage out there mm-hmm. <laughs> until ours. And so when we prayed about it, and we're like, God, are you really calling us to write this very vulnerable, this book? We knew we had to be honest about the good, the bad, the ugly. We answer questions that we have had asked on stages, which is very much like, so what's your sex life like? Because I don't understand this. But even that very question reveals what we worship, which is sex. Uh, And so I'm not saying Matt and I worship, I'm saying as a culture, we worship sex. So we knew we had to get real. (laughs) We were going to answer the questions that we've been asked. But Lord willing, I I pray and believe we did it. Well, all putting it at the cross. The whole thing is is all the story that just, I hope, points to Jesus. What has that... um... And obviously the the book isn't about, you know, vulnerability, but I think... Uh, I, I, I think of your life post-book versus pre-book. Everybody knows your story now, everybody that's read the book. Or it, it almost feels like, if I was you, I'd say, before we're going to go out to dinner, you need to read this. <laughs> so, like, we can, you for know. realsies, you, yeah. you're not joking. <laughs> um, do you have any advice for people when it comes to vulnerability? And I ask that because when we talk about toxic shame and we talk about grace, uh, vulnerability is is a key ingredient to this. So, I mean, what what do you have? What do you have to say um, to people that might be in maybe those pre one of those number of pre book stages that you you were in where you weren't letting other people you know into your story uh, versus now where you know your story your story's out there. What uh, what advice do you have for people maybe about grace and about shame when it comes to being vulnerable? You have to spend at least a chunk of your morning, even if it's 10 minutes, a chunk of your day, and then point the trajectory of your heart toward God. What do you think of me? Both like where where are your eyes? Where is your mind uh, getting, what's your mind marinating in? Is it in, what do people think about me? What are they going to say? Or is it, God, what do you think about me? So where's your mind? Where are your eyes? Oh, I just, oh, I'm going to get a bunch of likes. Or what if I don't get a bunch of likes? Or what if I sell a bunch of books? What if I don't? And then where are your feet planted? 
I just like picturing my feet like roots, like Paul talks about in Ephesians 3, and rooting in God's marvelous love. Mm. So if I'm rooted in God's love, my eyes are on the big picture. What's the purpose of my life? And I'm marinating my brain in, God, what do you think about me? I'm, I want to get pretty close to his, his will in that. And then there's heart stuff in there. I'm just saying how I like to picture it. And then it's like, if he's calling you to it and you know, you're so beloved, it, the risk is doesn't even matter what people think. Mm. It doesn't even matter. It only matters what he thinks. Yeah. And then you can be vulnerable. Hmm. I love that. And yeah, and you answered some of another question I was going to ask, and maybe there's some overlap. I had had a uh, a guy ask uh, me in a Q&A, I was talking about this love of Jesus that, and, and if you say it the wrong way, it kind of sounds like pixie dust. It sounds like a Sunday school answer, like, yeah, Jesus loves you, you know? But I was trying to talk about this deep, uh, in, in, in my story, I, I talk about how I looked to women, I looked to pornography and to sex, uh, to give me validation, approval, acceptance. That was the deeper layer of what I was looking for. And I only ended up finding those things in Jesus. And that was in my married life as a pastor, uh, thinking about getting a divorce, you know, all these sorts of things. And he he asked me, well, how? Like, how practically do I experience Jesus's love uh, in that way, you know, how do I how do I take it from just kind of knowing about it to living it, to be able to really being able to feed off of it was kind of the language I was using. And I, I think what you just said is answering some of that. Is there anything else you would add to that for someone listening that's going, I want I want that kind of love. Um, what else can I do? And not, not that it's about us doing. I don't mean to phrase it that way, but but practically I do think there's ways we can pray and re- even the way we interact with scripture and, you know, et cetera. Um, but are there, is there, what advice would you give to a person that's saying, I want more, I need that. I need that type of love in my life. A discipline or practice that saved my life, no exaggeration, when I was 22 and saved my marriage. There are many tools, but one of them that we talk about in impossible marriage is this combination of either listening or visual prayer paired with the spiritual discipline of lament, uh, which lament for me often leads to forgiveness and then love for my enemies, those who've hurt me. But I'll, I'll tell you what, even this week wrestling, like God, like, you know, anxiety and just everyone's mental health is like garbage right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can struggle too. like all of our buffer places are just shot. At least mine are. Like my, I didn't know I had a buffer in 2019, 2021. I got no buffer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I need mm-hmm. more than ever to experience the love of God. So yes, I'm reading the word. Yes. I'm filling my mind with good sermons and books, but getting quiet and Jesus often got away to the lonely places to pray. I was even thinking this morning, how right after he heard John died, um, was killed, he, he got a- alone. And I would love to get alone, but I got three little kids, a job, <laughs> and I just got a puppy this week. So I can't go to Mount Aramos, the wherever Jesus was, to go and like look at the fields. But I can close my eyes for five whole minutes, maybe or two, <laughs> maybe ten. Right. And I can ask. I can go in my mind to a place that is peaceful, 
and invite Jesus to be there with me. He's already with me, but it's nice to get the picture in my mind. And, you know, people get real hairy, nervous about this stuff. My, I have the Bible over my eyes and ears and mouth. If I start seeing craziness and he's like, I'm going to give you a Lamborghini and you blah, blah, you know, it's none of that. It's being, picturing being with him. Yeah. And here's the, here's the one thing that helps me even understand how is my heart and how do I actually feel God feels about my, me right now? I could say God is love, but how do I actually feel about him? So in that natural place, maybe the top of a mountain where I picture myself or under a big oak tree, and I'm really taking in the five senses and I invite Jesus to be with me. I note where do I want him or picture him in the scene? Hmm. Is he far away? Is he right next to me? Is he holding, hugging me close? And that really tells me how I feel about him. That doesn't necessarily tell me how he feels about me unless I'm really seeing, you know, his love, et cetera. And then just talking to him, God, I don't feel close to you. I feel mad at you. Or I feel frustrated about this, that practice, there's more to it. Um, and you, you hear us get real gritty and impossible marriage, but literally save my life and our marriage. Yeah. Oh, that's huge. No, I, you and I have similar church upbringings, and I, I think I was trained with some of that same, uh, yeah, I, for, even it's hard to put biblically why there's a fear around that type of prayer, uh, but it, God has, has in, in my adult life, God has stretched me and, and shown me his love more through uh, spiritual formation practices that I wasn't raised with, uh, that, you know, that I learned from, uh, for me, it was, uh, the transforming center and Ruth Haley Barton and, um, you know, doing retreats with her and just learning just like ways of interacting with God, like ways of praying and ways of like allowing the Holy spirit to talk to you. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's way more personal. It's, it's, it's way more, um, you, you really, uh, that's been a huge path of relational connection for me, uh, with Jesus. And I have a friend who he does, uh, he shares his story publicly and, and he does a lot of sexual recovery, uh, ministry. He's got quite a story. Um, and he also was abused as a child and he talks mm-hmm. about visual prayer as one of, uh, he, he, the, the key ways that he found healing, uh, from his yeah. trauma. And as I read your book, it just, it reminded me a lot of his story and of, of he, to this day, like when he's always talking about visual prayer and like, he knows Jesus and talks to Jesus the way I'm talking to you, you know, right now mm-hmm. it's, it's beautiful. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. So yeah, I'm glad you brought it up. Cause I had that, uh, as something I wanted to ask you about because, um, it's, it's almost like, uh, we're talking about, I don't know, it's, it's, it's like an avenue, like God's love is there and we're here and there's these, there's these paths and avenues of how to get it maybe from our head to our heart, you know, this way of actually yes. really, really experiencing it. And I, I do think more Christians that have grown up or are active in kind of conservative churches that love the Bible, which is really good, um, but, but need to experience more of the Holy Spirit and, and more of Jesus' actual presence uh, among us on a minute by minute basis. I hear you. I think, and I'll just add this one thing that helps me with my own anxiety about it. Well, I don't have anxiety about it anymore, <laughs> but early on 
is I think we can see, oh, the imagination is the devil's playground. <laughs> Satan didn't make it. Satan didn't create your imagination. God did. And Satan does not have his own clay. He can only distort. He can only take God's clay and distort it. And so it's just, it's such, it's, I see it as, okay, God, I, I give this to you. <laughs> you use it so I can connect with you. I see no better way of using our imaginations than to connect deeper with God. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, so I'm going to back up a little bit to kind of a overarching question about the book. Um, as I picked up the book, I anticipated it to be about mixed orientation marriage, uh, which it is. Uh, it certainly is. Um, but it's also a lot about uh, the effects of childhood sexual trauma, the effects of a porn addiction. Um, and But ultimately, and, and I, I truly felt this, this applies to everyone. And, and you mentioned that a couple times in the book where the principles in this book, uh, this, this book is not just for uh, people that are in mixed orientation marriages. Uh, I, I feel like there's tons of marriages where people feel like they married the wrong person. And mm. there's there's tons of marriages where people feel like, uh, not just feel like, but it's actually true where like, you know, my spouse doesn't desire me and one spouse doesn't desire the other or vice, or they maybe both don't desire, you know, people are feeling undesired in their marriage. And so um, if anyone listening is experiencing that in your marriage, I highly recommend reading Impossible Marriage. Uh, but Lori, could you... Uh, in a you know a short an answer on a podcast kind of address people that are struggling with those two things marry the wrong person or and or my spouse doesn't desire me yeah man oh so those are are big so our book begins with me wrestling with do I stay or do I go and the big reason I stay is not because Matt's so cute and we just somehow found the spark again. Now, I stayed because truly there's some selfish motivation in there, but um, I wanted God's gifts of love and hope and peace. And I knew if I wanted his gifts, I wanted him. So I was like, God, I recommit to you. And if I commit to you, then I want what you have for me this impossible marriage. And then the rest of the book is from both my angle and Matt's uh, asking and answering these questions in story form. What is marriage and what is sex in marriage? And sex was off the table. We were in a, um, a season of celibacy. And, and you may assume because of the title of the subtitle of the book, The Mixed Orientation Marriage, oh, Lori's just not attracted to him. The trauma thing was giant. And then, but even if it was just this attraction piece, as you mentioned, this desired, the straightest couples I know, <laughs> they say the same sentences I was saying. I just, I'm not attracted to him anymore. I'm not attracted to her anymore. Sex is an obligation. Okay, here's my, I give her my, she, I give her my heart. She gives me her body. It's this boring, lame, we all pretend <laughs> It does how it felt that yeah. marriage is amazing. Yeah. And yet it felt like everyone was faking. So just to like throw this out there, if you are feeling like that, there's many other people who are feeling like that, but that is not God's design. God's, or, let me rephrase that. God's hope for your marriage is not that it's this, here's my heart. Here's my body. This exchange rate for bidding for sex and emotional conversations. 
marriage is holistic. Oneness is not a euphemism for sex. Oneness is holistic. So if you're wrestling with desire on either end and maybe sex is off the table or maybe like, I don't even know why I'm in this marriage. It really, I think, you know, if there is, sex is a big issue in marriage Mm -hmm. because we've been told it's the barometer, AKA your report card. So if sex isn't amazing or you're not having amazing sex or or the frequency is few or you're like not enough, you feel like you're failing. So let's just hone in on sex a second. And what's the, what's it supposed to do in its ideal form? It's supposed to be one of the things it's supposed to do. Is it supposed to be a picture of eternity? Now, I'm not just blowing smoke right now. Like, oh, yes, you're duct taping verses to this <laughs> thing we do. God made it. God created it. And he didn't just, oh, yes. Oh, the humans are. What are they doing? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> he made it on purpose with a purpose to show us a tangible glimmer of what eternity will be like. It's a a breath, a fraction of this holistic union we will experience with the Father. Holistic union with the Father. And then we turn it into this body exchange. My heart for his body or her body. His heart, usually her body. So when Matt and I looked at it like that and it's off the table, we're like, okay, so in its best form, it's supposed to be holistic. Is there anywhere else in our marriage where we experience holistic sort of union, oneness, joy? I'm like, yeah, man, I actually, we feel very bonded physically holding hands, uh, emotionally uh, connecting heart to heart. Um, Intellectually, we just started naming these different areas. When we're going for a walk Mm -hmm. (laughs) as a family. There's no kissing, there's no, there's this, but there's this union that we experience. And so sex is not the barometer of your marriage. It can be an indicator that hmm, something might be going on here. If there's something, you know, you, you don't want that holistic oneness, but instead of just putting a pressure on what's the problem, 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 fix the problem, sex, 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 we're obsessed with sex. Yeah. Where are you doing well? So if you're talking about desire in that word, desire is just a euphemism for they don't want to have sex with you. Where do you actually want, choose them? Let's see, take the word desire. I choose you and find, like, look for where you're doing well. Cause that's actually going to encourage you. He interviewed Kurt Thompson. He's a MD talks is soul of shame. You're at the soul of shame. And we interviewed him. Uh, end of this summer on our podcast. And he said, when you focus, when your brain focuses on the problem, it overwhelms and it doesn't want to work. But instead, instead of when you start asking the question, what can we create? Hmm. Then you start coming up with solutions and you start feeling that bonded, that oneness, that union. So I think in an, to summarize, get your eyes off of the sex obsession, dear friends. And focus on, in your marriage, where are you doing well? 
And how can you replicate that? Yes, maybe here in, in sex eventually without putting this like pressure on it, but asking the question, where are we feeling and when are we feeling unified? No, that's great. And, you know, as you were talking, I, I was thinking how the church teaching on sex from a guy who's, you know, as, as I was struggling with porn and then started reading books in college, uh, in, you know, doing some small group discussions and stuff with other guys uh, in college about sexual purity, uh, the, the dots that the, those books did a lot of harm to me. Um, yeah. And I, I didn't know it until I was married, you know, and, and a few years into my marriage started to realize what those books had done to me. So basically, mm-hmm. I mean, this is verbatim from one of those books where it tells a guy, um, you know, don't don't look at porn. And you're, you're, oh, I, I hate even talking about this analogy. I be, be because it just every time I talk about it, I go, really, I can't believe that that was published. Um, but this this analogy was of bowls, and that you you need these sexual bowls, uh, and and like they're bowls, and they're going to get filled up with something. And so, you know, you want to fill them up with porn, but instead, uh, fill them up with your wife. And this this sort of principle <laughs> of um oh and it oh I, I it's really hard for me to talk about because it's um anyway this principle of um you know if you starve your eyes from porn your wife will look more attractive to you and all this kind of stuff it talked about um i quoted it and i don't remember it exactly now if, if they said the words uh sexual payoff there was a sexual payoff they used that uh as a subtitle of what section of the book and wow. so um and this is, frankly, at the time, um, the most popular book for guys on sexual purity uh, and pornography. And so I go into my marriage. Um, my wife and I are virgins when we get married. I'm young. She's young. Tw- I'm 21. She's 22. Um, just out of college. I'm a youth pastor. And I'm ex- uh, I have these entitlement. Two things went on. One, I had all this entitlement for sex because the book told me right. that I would get that, and and sex was essentially the the reward. Uh, if you're faithful to God as a guy, God will hook you up with this this reward. And then two, so so and that yeah. So two would be, I never learned at that time in my life. Um, how to not objectify women. I just was taught by this book, uh, take that objectification where you, you turn women into into, uh, um, into objects, into body parts, and then just do that to your wife. So just when you look at your wife, just see her as, obviously they didn't say it that blatantly, but that was the message. That was the message that I got from it. Just see your wife as, uh, as body parts and objectify her. And as I look back at my marriage, and my wife and I have talked painfully about this, I... I loved my wife for as much as I knew what love was, but it, I really was getting married to what I was taught was like a sex vending machine. And yep. it was this, this object that produced sex. And that's what a lot of Christian guys buy into. And it's not yep. because we're bad. It's because that's what we were told. We were just taught that. And that sells books that, you know, if, do this, this, and this, and you'll have an amazing sex life. Uh, people will line up to buy that. And there are huge uh, <laughs> ramifications to that in a marriage. Uh, we were on the brink of divorce. Much of it had to do with that and that that mindset that I had. Um, 
And so all that to, to kind of come, come back around um, to what you were just talking about, I think the more we as men and women can speak truth to that lie and can talk about yes. what sex really is, what who humans really are, like, like who a man is and who a woman is, and 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 that it is not about what our what our what our, oh I'm going on now, sorry Lori, but it's like yeah, our, get it, get it. our our world they it's so obvious like this the lost world they make sex into just physical and you people go from person to person to person and there's just it's it's body parts and the church has taken that same mindset of sex and we've just made it christian which is like you can do that mm-hmm. you can do that exact thing just do it within marriage and i'm going yeah. no that's not how god created sex to be uh so anyway i went a lot longer than i than i thought but um just so many parallels with what you you know what you what you and matt have experienced and with really what i think our generation uh was taught about sex and continues to believe about sex even within marriage Dr. Branson Parler defines lust as looking at another person and saying, how can I use you? Yeah. And that can happen in marriage. And then I will say too, we as women, I'm stereotyping because it can be dudes with a higher sex drive or the women or maybe both. I don't know. It's usually rare. God doesn't usually do that. Um, But we women too can look at our husbands and with lust in our hearts for more emotional desire of how can I use you? And then marriage becomes, like I said, this currency situation. And that is not the purpose of marriage. That's not it. The, another, a book I, and I hesitate to name names of books though. I do in my book I do. I feel more comfortable in print maybe than on my on the podcast. <laughs> but I'll name this one. Um the Five Love Languages book, which everybody loves and adores and has sold like a trillion copies. Uh that book was horrible, horrible, horrible for my marriage because of this exact <laughs> currency idea. Um that book and others like it, they taught me, oh, here's how to get my wife to have sex with me. I just have to do these yeah. things. And uh, very selfishly motivated for me. I, I, I can't say the author, you know, I don't want to judge his heart that he was doing it selfishly. But for me as a reader, it really set me up. It fed that selfish desire that I, that I had uh, in my marriage. And you can get some short-term results from that. And, it, and it's like a drug. And so you go, oh, yeah, this works. And uh, wow, that um, was another ingredient that almost killed yeah. um, that almost killed my marriage. I hear you. I really do. What would you say to someone who's hearing us talk about this and they go, okay, um, like, but I love the Love Languages book or, but I want, um, uh, I want my marriage to improve, right? Someone that would say that, let's go there. Let's some, I, I want my marriage to improve. Isn't that what this is about? Like, give me some, give me, give me something. What, what, what should I do or think, or, um, is it bad that I, that I want my marriage to improve? Uh, what would you say to them? I would say, what is the purpose of your whole life? And don't just quote the Westminster catechism at me with, you know, glorify God and love him. No, no, no. What is your actual lived 
purpose in your life. Matt asked me recently, he's like, Lori, what are you striving for? I was like, man, because that really is the question of, of your heart is where are your eyes? What are you striving for? And so if, if your answer, if my answer, God help me, is not, I want more union with God. And I want oneness, union with those around me, starting with my spouse and my kids and those he's called me to. And then inviting others into this oneness. So oneness with God, oneness with the church, inviting others into this called making disciples. If that's not your heart driving force, your desire to make your marriage better is not going to be worship. It's going to be self-worship. It's not going to be worship of God. It's going to be self-centered and it's going to go sideways at some point. So I would say the, the love languages, the practical stuff, it's all good. If the purpose is I want to love God and through my loving my spouse, well, show the world a picture of the gospel as I die to self show the world how Jesus died for me. Mm. Yeah, and that can often, um, we have to be really honest about that because we can say, um, no, I'm really doing this for my spouse, but actually I'm doing it because I want my spouse to do something for me. And I just, I was struck by, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13 and the list of love about what love is, and it says love is not self-seeking. And- that is a very helpful barometer for me to go if this thing is self-seeking then it's then it's not love and and to be really honest about that and and in impossible marriage uh you talk uh, a bit about this as well where or more than a bit i mean as i I think a core principle to all this is i can't like i have to get that love from god so that i can give it to my spouse it's Describe how that, how you and Matt had to learn that the hard way. Uh, I think when I was fine, I committed back to the marriage and there were times that I would stare at Matt who was so broken. I remember looking at him, we talk about, we describe a scene where Matt calls his dad and just like breaks down. And I read it now. And every time I read Matt talking to his dad, I cry because he's so wrecked, Mm -hmm. Matt is, Mm -hmm. about our marriage. He's asking his dad for advice. And I remember, and I can't remember if we put this in in the book, but I'll just tell you now. I just remember looking over at him as he's sitting next to the swing set, weeping and going, I wish I cared. Like my heart was so cold and I was like, maybe if I see more of his tears or more of his pain. So it wasn't even a matter of like, it wasn't the scenario where, oh, my spouse was so terrible to me and I have to go to God for love. On my end, it was, Matt was amazing. And I, it, he, it wouldn't crack the iciness in my heart. So as I started aligning my own heart in obedience to God and getting healing for trauma and relentlessly taking the little steps toward Matt that I could, it's, it was like this cycle. It's like step toward Matt would just meditate and be with God. 
step toward Matt, be with God. And it was like, God loved Matt. God loves Matt. God loves you. God loves your spouse. And he has unlimited love for them. So it wasn't even like, I was like, I'm trying to seek love to give to Matt because of his tears. It was, I sought God. I took a tiny step toward Matt and it was, God started like, he started thawing my own heart. Mm. Now on the other side, which is what you hear, which was really the advice Matt was going to his dad for in that scene I just described is Matt had to go to the Lord for love for me. The temptation for Matt, he has his own history of pornography addiction, the temptation to try and look for love outside, even though there's no love in porn, outside of our marriage, it was there and it was amped up. And he was, again, fiercely committed to God first. And so as he was going to God, God was giving him supernatural love for me. And um, so honestly, it was the suffering as the Lord does that taught us that we needed to go to him for love in the not as intensely suffering times. Mm. As we talk, um, we are talking to married people so far about um, the suffering within marriage, um, which is so needed to talk about. I, I think about um, myself when I was single and Grant, I got married really young, you know, and especially now I look at culture and I go, wow, that was really different than <laughs> all the rest of culture, yeah. you know. Um, but mm-hmm. I remember being single and really thinking marriage would, would end my suffering, um, mm-hmm. really thinking that marriage would end my loneliness. It would end, you know, these needs that I have. I hope that single people read your book as well. Um, oh, they are. Good. Uh, what what advice would you have or thoughts uh, would you have for singles who are listening right now? I would encourage reading it because the feedback I've gotten from single people, I honestly, my eyes, you know, you're supposed to have one reader in mind when you write it. And so, you know, I had the reader in mind, which was a married person, but um, I because of the nature of the work we do, we, we've done a lot of training in the LGBT world. I've had to really learn and understand. I, I'm almost ashamed to say, cause I didn't have this initially, but as I've grown in this world, I've had to understand just, Oh my goodness. Singleness is amazing. Like, mm-hmm. Holy cow. Like, if, I mean, just read first Corinthians seven, like actually, and you're like, Oh wow. So Paul like really talks it up. And, um, but I just see it as an equally valuable vocation to do the mission of making disciples. The reason it gets a bad rap is because it's like, oh, that's where the loneliness is. The reason there's loneliness and singleness is because the church stinks at community. Mm-hmm. We stink. We're not good at it. Yeah. And so I say that to say, um, that I see you single people. And while we were writing it, you were in my mind, even though, you know, I had the person in my head who I was writing for. So single people, when they read our book, they see the value, Lord willing, I pray, I pray if you're single and you read it, they see that we talk about you single people uh, with in high esteem. Um, But then too, I think a gift, if you're single and you're considering marriage or you're single and like you're saying, 
you know, how you looked outside in that it would solve all your issues. The, <laughs> the curtain comes off <laughs> yeah. in our marriage, yeah. but hopefully in all marriages <laughs> with our book, because it gives you a real light is not dreamy. There are elements of gorgeous and it's almost in, it's like the suffering leads to some gorgeousness, but I, I see that even in my own single friend's life as they're processing their own loneliness. So I, I think I would just say, if you're looking dreamy eyed at marriage, just read it and you'll, you'll see <laughs> hopefully marriage for what it is. Yeah. It's not like you're going to be dis- I hope you don't, aren't, don't lead to despair, but you're going to see, oh my goodness, this is a gospel picture. But single people, you show us a gospel picture as we married very different uh, husband and wife die to self daily um, to be one with each other. We show the world a picture of how God, Jesus died to be one with us, humanity, who are very different yeah. from God right. and how we're to be the same. But single people, you show us a gospel picture too in this longing that you have for completion in this intimacy that you can show us in your already not yet marriage to Jesus, you show us what heaven looks like in your union with God. So I, I guess I would just say, read it. If you, if it's all dreamy, starry eyed, and then I don't know, be encouraged because you encourage me in my walk with God and how you live the metaphor too. I love it. Yeah, no, I I think um, when I was growing up, singleness and wasn't talked about in this way. Um, and today, depending on your church setting, um, some churches all they talk about is marriage, 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 and it uh, it does a number on uh, LGBT uh, Christians, Christians with same sex attraction that are trying to figure out if they have a path in the church or not, um, if, if they are deciding to be single and celibate. Um, and, and we never talk about that. We never talk about um, their sexuality, their struggles. Um, we never talk about singleness in general. And we make we make marriage into this, well, into this idol so that singles feel this, this stigma that, oh, I don't have that. I don't have this, this thing where I've arrived. And within all that, uh, marriage is good. Sometimes I go too far and I, and I talk yeah. too much about uh, in this sort of negative light. Marriage is good and, and God made it, but there are a ton of people out there that are single. And I think the church has done, has done a real disservice to um, creating community for singles within the church. Um, some of those singles um, would identify in the LGBT community and some uh, are straight and just single. And I, I just, as a pastor, my heart, what it just, I'm thankful that God has put that passion uh, on my heart to, to talk to singles. And uh, I try to do that on the podcast whenever I can, because ultimately I think we're all in the same boat. Uh, if I have to look to Jesus for my identity, if I'm looking to my wife, it is going to be a disaster. And uh, singles, uh, it's the same thing. You can look to promiscuous sex or you can look to pornography just like a married person can. And uh, none of those things are going to give you your identity. Uh, only your relationship with Jesus will. And um, in, in that sense, I do think we're in the same boat. And I think we can take some comfort in. Um, I want us all to be grateful and content 
for the gift God has given us. If it's a gift of marriage, to be grateful and content within it. If it's a gift of singleness, to be grateful and content within that because it's worthy. It's wor- it's worthy to for us to be grateful for. I just I lived so many years of my marriage in discontent. And that is a miserable, miserable, miserable place to be. So I might use that to transition into um, kind of some of your story. And as we, um, I don't know, kind of round the home stretch of our of our interview today, you you talked a lot in the book about, or at least a section that stood out to me was about these what ifs. You call it the what if candy. And you, yeah. there's, there's all these what ifs. And so I'm thinking of singles now, and I'm thinking of married folks now who are who have all these what ifs. Um, you know, for for me, the what ifs were: what if I was with that other woman? Um, what if I wasn't? You know, just what if I was single and could sleep around? I think for singles, the what if is: what if I was married? I think that's a number one. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. what if um, those that are uh, LGBT and struggling with this this path of of I'm going to follow God's design for sex. There's tons of what ifs that you talk about. So, can you can you talk a bit about your where those what if candies came from, and ultimately, yeah. I don't know if overcame is the right word, but you know, ultimately, how did you find freedom uh, from those what if questions? Yeah, I wasn't even consciously aware all the time. Now, I think it'd be unfair to say, you know, oh, it's just a subconscious thing. I'm totally. you know, innocent, but it was in my marriage. There's just these times where you're like, Oh, you look on Facebook, you look on Instagram. And it's just this question that you don't think you don't sit down and maybe journal about it. Like, Oh, what if I was with them? What if I had this different life? It's just like, click, 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 click. Yeah. (laughs) And you're like, "Hmm, what's that about? And then your mind, like, even for me, I don't even think it necessarily went to like a lustful place. It was just, what if my life was different? And so um, I, I think more of us do that than we like to admit. There's other questions next to it. And then I'll talk about, I don't know if I can say overcame them, but how I dealt with them. Um, other questions similar to what if are, if only, that's that's the sentence. Uh, at least I have. So we can also be hoarders. Well, at least I have this. Or once I have that. So these what if, if only, once I have, or at least I have. Every time you start a sentence with that, dear friends, what you're about to say is an idol. Hmm. If only, once I have, at least I have. Yeah. Once I get that vacation, once I do this, once if I only I had that person. So for that's just no matter if you're married or single, this is where we need to go with these. And this praise the Lord is where I went with them. You confess them for what they are. Their sin. I think we as women, we've gotten this rap. Well, we're just these like innocent women. It's the men who are the bad ones with their like sexual issues. And we're just these whatever. We're holy and beautiful, innocent little people. Bull crap. (laughs) You do the clickety click sometimes too. You do the what ifs. We have to confess it. Maybe it's not. Well, I'm not lusting. It's covetousness, dear (laughs) friends. It's idolatry, dear friends. It is putting something before the Lord your God. We must confess them, not for, oh, I was just thinking that. 
for sin. Jesus did not die for, that's just the way a person is. Jesus can only die, only did die for sin. So confess it for what it is. Sin is a bad four letter word. No, it's, it's just is what it is. And Jesus died for our sin. So I had to confess it to the Lord as the sin as it was. And then I went to Matt and I confessed my covetousness. I, I tr- I'm like, really didn't, I was, I thought it was so good. Cause it was like, well, whatever. I wasn't, I was like talking to someone. I didn't look at porn. I didn't, I don't even know how much of it was actually like fantasy. It just was this different coveting mindset. And I had to confess it to Matt for the sin that it was. And it hurt him and it needed to hurt him because it created disunity in our marriage where we are supposed to be one flesh And that was not fun. Hmm. It wasn't fun to see the pain on his face. And it wasn't fun to say any of those words. And anytime I wrestle with those same things now, I hate, I hate confessing. No one likes it. I don't think. (laughs) But it made me feel so free. Yeah. And it actually, it uprooted some of that soil that had gotten nasty weeds in it of our, the garden of our marriage. And it, it allowed space for the Holy spirit to plant new seeds in there. Um, and if I may say, if anyone is listening to this right now and is like, Oh snap, I'm getting convicted. I need to go confess and he confessed to God. And I need to confess to my spouse. You guys, God is not waiting there at the end of your confession or during it with a backhand. That's Satan. That's toxic shame. The Lord has his hands open and there are scars on his hands because he did have to die for that sin. But he is so ready, like the prodigal's father, to just hug you. So I just want to encourage you. I never, ever, ever want to confess to God, but he's like a little easier sometimes. But then I never, ever, ever want to confess to Matt, my husband. Mm -hmm. But it's so worth it because that's when the Holy Spirit can really start blooming and creating and cultivating such beautiful work in your marriage, in your friendships, in your singleness, and but really just in your life. I love it. I, you talked about freedom, and I, that's that's what I heard there, is when you're in that what-if cycle, it's slavery. It, it is, it's slavery. Yes. It's never-ending. And there is such freedom when we get out of fantasy and live in real life. I, I talk about fantasy as the opposite of life. I mean, death is the opposite of life, but so is fantasy. Fantasy literally is the opposite of life. And, and when we can live in real life uh, in, in in the way that you described, that's real freedom. That's deep freedom. And it's beautiful. I mean, that's that's what the gospel offers us. And so, um, man, that that is that is well said. Uh, before we go, uh, is there anything um, that you want to say? Any any kind of closing thoughts that you'd want to say uh, to listeners about uh, impossible marriage or Uh, just about, you know, the journey and the path that uh, they may be on as they're listening. Uh, Something I, I think about when I talk with any couple, if, if I'm going to talk with um, married people just for one last hot second here. And I see, you know, uh, you know, I talk with couples, maybe the husband has cheated, porn, whatever. And the wife is dealing through, healing, forgiveness, betrayal, or they're wrestling through, you know, similar marriage to us, or, you know, it's just, it's just a meh marriage. You aren't working on your marriage so that like I've heard 
you can have better sex and better marriage and better society. That's so boring. That's <laughs> so boring and so worldly. Look above your marriage to what you are metaphoring. You are showing a 24 seven picture. You are a living, breathing 24 seven picture of God's love and marriage to us. And so the work is, is hard because how hard is union with the Lord? Like, yes. Okay. Jesus died. And it's, you know, with, we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, whatever we're one we're in, but increasing that intimacy, seeking that intimacy with him takes work. It takes cultivation. It's every day. It's we're, we're working on our, our, um, the union with the father. So yes, our, our place is we're in, but just increasing that union. That's the work you're doing in your marriage, taking it from a meh, or uh, this is hard. You guys are showing your kids and your neighbors and strangers at the grocery store, even in your working and in your relating, you are showing a living, breathing 24 seven gospel picture of God's love for the world. As you seek union together, that's not boring. <laughs> that's not worldly. That's otherworldly. And that's Christians. What we're supposed to be like otherworldly, Christ-like people. Sounds exciting. It, it sounds like I can get behind that. That gives me a great purpose. Um, I love that. I think, yeah, I think there's so, oh, so many times that this Christianity that I hear, it's like, really, that's it? We're just kind of sit so on your couch boring. and watch TV and then go to church and try to buy a big house or something. Tithe and die. That's what I was saying. Yeah, right. So <laughs> oh yeah, no. The, 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 it is uh, what you describe is an exciting adventure, and it's not easy. Um, but no. it's it's worth it. It is it's it is worth so it. worth it. Yeah, love it. Well, Lori, thank you so much uh, for coming on. Thanks for writing the book. Uh, thank you for to you and Matt for putting just all of yourselves out there uh, for us to see. Grace is what is what we see. We see grace yeah. uh, in the book and in your life. So. Um, Thank you for being obedient to God as he uh, as he led you to do all this. Thank you. You too, Noah. So grateful for your obedience and open opening the door to your podcast so we can share a little bit of our story with you all. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And we are back. What an awesome interview. Again, I want to throw out there like I have at the end of the last few interviews. If if you're just somebody that is looking at your sexuality and you're saying, man, I could use somebody to talk to, uh, reach out, reach out to me, uh, podcast at beyondthebattle.net. If you have questions about this stuff, if you have disagreements, if you have stuff you'd like me to try to explain uh, better or further from any from this episode, uh, this interview, or any of the last uh, three total that we've done, uh, reach out, podcast at beyondthebattle.net. .net. You know, we like to have a good time on this podcast. We do plenty of joking around. And I love that this podcast is a mixture. We we <laughs> we pull it off. I don't know uh, with how much grace and uh, gracefulness, I mean. I mean, plenty of grace. I just don't know about the gracefulness of it, like a ballerina or gazelle. 
we are more like a bull in a china shop at times as we transition from the goofy to the serious. But but we take the serious stuff very seriously here. You know, we're talking about uh, the reality of the gospel and the grit of life. And life is gritty. And we are going to talk about the grittiness of life. And so just know that you don't have to figure it out alone. Uh, I hope you have other people in your life that you can figure out the grittiness of life with as you follow Jesus. Uh, but I'd love to to be one of those people that can help you figure out the grittiness of life. And that does remind me, we have a new beyondthebattle.net small group starting up. So these are online small groups for men. Uh, if you want to grow in your walk with Jesus, if you want to get some healing uh, from your sexual brokenness, that might be pornography, it might be fantasy, lust, it might be being really discontent as a single dude or really discontent as a married dude. Uh, man, these seven-week groups are fantastic for guys finding healing and hope and real change in their lives. And then brand new uh, this year, uh, if you are an alumni, if you've gone through a beyondthebattle.net group, we have a weekly Zoom meeting uh, on Saturday morning that I do, that I'm in, and it's my time to to have accountability and, and shine the light on what's going on in my head and my heart, and it's for all of our alumni uh, guys to have that as well. And so uh, jump into a group. We got a new group starting up on Monday nights, Monday evenings, and so head over to beyondthebattle.net. Uh, to get registered for that group uh, soon before before the group starts and or it sells out. We cap the groups at nine, at nine guys total. So uh, so check that out. Speaking of uh, that, that bull in a china shop transition, well, well, you know, it's about that time. It's, it's about that time. So for those of you that are that are brand new podcast listeners, uh, be prepared to be shocked and amazed. Uh, more, more like <laughs> shocked and going, what, what, what just happened? Uh, this is my warning to to all. If if you listen to the podcast for serious spiritual growth, you're welcome. Thank you for being here. Just know that that part of the show uh, is over. That that part of the show is done. So if you if you have a high IQ, if you're high in spiritual maturity, it's probably probably a good time to stop listening because the next section, the next segment, which is sponsored by Angry Brew, I will add. So I don't know what it says about them and their company that they're sponsoring Noah's Rant. They're enabling me to continue Noah's Rant. Uh, but the this is all uh, just ridiculousness from, from here on out. So you've been warned. If you continue listening and you don't like what you hear, you know, it's it's your fault. It's your fault because I, I warned you. So without without further ado, this little section, this little section is called Noah's Rant. <laughs> Noah's rant. And if you were ever wondering about Noah's rant, is he being sarcastic? Is he really that angry and upset about cloth handkerchiefs <laughs> or cloth napkins? 
is he just messing with me or does he like does he have a problem should i be concerned about the way he rants about the things that frustrate him about how superman is the lamest superhero or about how his wife makes him take down the christmas lights and not keep them up year round well let me tell you one thing about noah's rant we are never sarcastic on Noah's rant. We never say anything with a sarcastic bent to it or dri- dripping with sarcasm ever. Oh, no, 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 no. Th- when, when we say that Noah's rant brings the kingdom of God to this place, which, which sometimes I say when I talk about how it makes the world a better place. Trust me that I would never be sarcastic. And by never be sarcastic, what I mean is th- we would never be sarcastic on Noah's rant. So I hope you hear. I hope you hear, especially today. Because listen, listen to me, listen. Believe it or not, what the, the the jury is still out on if there is an unlimited amount of topics that I can rant about because we've been doing the podcast now we're on the 43rd episode if you do the math that is a lot of topics to be ranting about now there have been a few episodes where we skipped Noah's rant the 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 episode topic was was honestly too deep to to the awkward transition into silliness and sarcasm. Oh, I mean, I mean, no, no, we never do sarcasm. Oh, but there's so there have been episodes we haven't done them, but we've done many. So you you may wonder, will Noah ever run out of topics to rant about? I don't know, but so far we're doing just fine with plenty in the pipeline. But as we go through the list, and yes, there is a list of collected things to rant about from my daily meandering through this world. Uh, that list, it, you know, we are, we, are, we are narrowing it down a little bit. Things are getting a little personal. I know when I rant about cloth handkerchiefs and you use a cloth handkerchief, you consider, does Noah still love me? Is Noah judging me for my cloth handkerchief use that I that that I blow my nose into my cloth handkerchief and then I I put it in my pocket and I and I wipe my face later with the same snot all over all over my face and I think that's just fine. Does Noah still love me? Should I unsubscribe? That may be what you're wrestling with. And let me tell you that I always will love you. I will always love you just like Jesus always loves you. That when the Father looks at you, Colossians 1.22, he sees you as holy, without blemish, free from accusation. Even if you use a cloth handkerchief, even if you have snot uh, dried to your face because of the cloth handkerchief you keep reusing in your pocket. I love you in the same way that God does. It's beautiful. But today, we are getting into something even more personal than cloth handkerchiefs. And I have real friends, people that I admire and respect. So let me say this as a preface. If this is you, I want you to know that outside of this one topic, as a whole overall person, I admire you. I respect you. I love you. We can agree to disagree. We can still be brothers, sisters, in Christ with a disagreement on this. But today's rant (laughs) is about those in our world 
that deem it necessary on social media to post selfies of themselves <laughs> with sweaty workout face. Okay, I said it. The cat's out of the bag. There's no going back now. Sweaty workout face. Friend. And I mean friend. Nobody wants to see your sweaty workout face on social media. It's gross. You're all sweaty. So here's my thing. If you are genuinely doing something good for your body, like that's great. I mean, for real. If you are, if you're losing weight, let's say, let's say you're just, man, I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to, I'm going to be healthier. I applaud that. And honestly, I think that is cool to post some of that on social media and get some boost, get some encouragement, get some people saying, you go, you go, friend, you'd get it. You get it. I bless you. I bless you. But sweaty workout face is unnecessary. You, it's just unnecessary. I don't, I don't know a verse in the Bible that, that, that you could go to and quote that, that commands you to do a sweaty workout face selfie. I'm not saying, I'm not saying you're vain and arrogant. I'm genuinely not saying that. I think sometimes, uh, dudes particularly will kind of put the workout of all their big biceps and muscles and they're and that like if you're a personal trainer that's cool you do that for a living i get it people got to see you do your thing but that's not really what i'm talking about i'm just talking about dudes who are you know i got my shirt off and i'm blah, 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 blah. okay there's maybe 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 you gotta maybe you should pray about that that's not what i'm talking about with sweaty workout face <laughs> It's just gross. It's it's just if you want to share your workout with us, go for it. Tell us what you did. Tell us how many reps you got. Maybe take a picture of the machine. Maybe even sweaty workout whole body might be better than sweaty workout face. I don't know. I don't know. But some of you need to hear this. I don't know. I don't know who's out there that needs to hear this message today. <laughs> but some of you need to hear sweaty workout face. I love you. I will never write a sarcastic comment on your Facebook page. I would never even <laughs> be because <laughs> Noah's rant. We don't do sarcasm around here, right? We don't. We don't do that around here. But sweaty workout face. Noah's rant. It's got to stop. We got to make the world a better place. Uh, put your put your non-sweaty face on there. I mean, that's your non-sweaty face. Really, is nice. It's a nice face. It's a beautiful face. We'd like to see non-sweaty workout face. All good. Maybe after you shower, take your shower and then take a picture of clean shower face. Fantastic, and just say, "I just showered. I just did a great workout, and then I showered." And we will bless that. We will bless you showering and your clean post-workout, post-shower face. That is what we're talking about here on the Flipside Podcast, on Noah's Rant. We are making the world a better place by cleaning up the filthy social media feeds we have that, that frankly are filled with sweaty workout face. So 
this wraps up another episode of the flip side hope you enjoyed it please do subscribe check out beyondthebattle.net if you want to join a seven week small group and stay tuned for next time i will see you then on the flip side the flip side with noah Filipiak is a south francis press production copyright noah Filipiak. www.noahfilipiak.com theme music by kyle lake at k lake music use with permission please subscribe and leave a review on itunes or wherever podcasts are found Yow, yow, dripping in that gall that don't perish. People selling fake, see the green around their belly. Taking refuge in his hand, see his poems, my living quarters. Close them when I'm finished, it's time to bring me closer. There's no purgatory, cause you're in or you're out. When you see him in the clouds, then you know it's going down. Raise them, raise them, raise them. They've been sleeping for some ages. Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred. Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list. Money probably long, but short is with your days. Have you ever heard the John of Freedom? Then I hope you see him clearly Raise him, raise him, raise him They've been sleeping for some ages Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list Money probably long, but sure it's with your daisies